think a lot of conversations have been sparked over the past week that need to happen. And uh, this all revolving around the death of George Floyd. The marches that happened over the weekend here in the GTA were largely peaceful, and that is great. I suspected as much would happen uh, when they were being planned. Now there's a call to defund the police. What exactly would that entail? So we wanted to bring University of Toronto sociology professor Akwasi Usubempa in. His work examines the intersections of race, crime, and criminal justice. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Can we start talking about how and why the police um, have really changed their duties over the past few decades and, you know, what's been going on that has maybe led to the call for defunding? Sure. And I think the first thing to do is just like clarify some of the terms here. Uh, I think when many people hear defund the police, what they automatically think of is uh, police abolitionism, which is, you know, the mantling of policing as we now know it. And there are obviously calls for that, too. Uh, But, you know, many of the calls for defunding the police are really in relation to a um, reassignment of many of the roles and tasks that we ask them to do and a related uh, redirection of those funds. So. In terms of what we've been asking them to do over the last, especially, you know, several decades, but really since policing uh, emerged, we've been asking the police to do more and more. Uh, We can think about cuts to, for example, social welfare in the 1980s and 90s. We can think about uh, um, increased police budgets uh, as a result of the war on drugs. And so, you know, as um, cuts were made to different kinds of social and welfare services, we saw an increase presence of uh, people on the streets. The police, of course, police homelessness. So in the context of this pandemic, we've seen the police handing out $800 tickets, for example, to people who are homeless. So the you know, policing poverty, of course, cuts as well to mental health services. We've got an increased number of people uh, with mental illness, many of those on the street, but just generally who are not being effectively serviced by other um, organizations and institutions. And the police, unfortunately, are left to deal with those issues. And so they become a first line of defense. We've got increased uh, police in our schools. And then I've mentioned, of course, you know, the war on drugs. We have the police trying to deal with uh, issues related to public and mental health there, too. So unfortunately, uh, they're not well positioned to do many of those things. And, and many police officers would acknowledge this, right? This isn't mm-hmm. forward to many police officers. Um, but of course, their budgets have swollen. Um, at the same time that we've asked them to do many of these things. And so called, are we funding sorry, people, are we funding police to fail? Or is, is this leading to some burnout that we're so hearing that about too? Exactly the line that one of my students gave when we were discussing this last week. He works in the system himself, himself and he says, so essentially what you're telling us is that we're funding the police to fail. And, you know, when we say funding the police to fail, the, the police, you know, are, are tasked with maintaining social order, uh, public safety, they're not intended to be social workers, mental health workers. And so, you know, they do the job that they're given with the tools that they have. And that is why, you know, unfortunately, they're not addressing uh, these issues as, as, as well as they could. And unfortunately, you know, when they deal with people who are in mental health crises, for example, and their training dictates that, okay, yes, they can de-escalate, but they're also to maintain control of the situation. And someone in mental health crisis is increasingly um, visibly angry, the police are going to ramp up the, the force that they're providing or they're applying in that scenario. So it, it really what happens is it increases the likelihood that someone experiencing a mental illness, for example, is going to um, experience violence at the hands of the police as well. So the, 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 the more we have the police 
in our lives performing functions that they don't need to do, the more we increase the likelihood that someone's going to end up with a criminal record, uh, and the more we uh, end up with the likelihood that someone's going to end up being hurt. So this is a direct result of defunding social services, and then but these are necessary social services, so that then we end up with a whole new set of problems and we ask people that are not appropriately trained to deal with those problems. Instead of being proactive at the beginning and, and offering support, we're creating more problems, which can in some case lead to fatalities and complete distrust over police. Precisely. Like any time we hear about cuts to education, cuts to any other you know, public institution or agency, that's a form of defunding. So defunding is not new to us. It's, you know, the terminology in the context of policing and, and with tensions being high right now. And you're completely right. The police typically respond to issues that arise from the failures of other social institutions, right? If we have a well-functioning and healthy society, there would be less work for the police to do. Uh, crime is, is, is typically an outcome of other social ills. So the more that we can deal with those social ills, up front, the less work that we have for police. And I think we need to acknowledge as well that we have some of the highest paid police in the world here in Canada. And from my perspective, that's a good thing in that the better police are paid, the less likely they are to engage in corrupt behavior. But that doesn't work well when, we have, when we're asking them to do all of these things that they're not very well equipped to do and that other organizations and institutions could do more effectively and much more cost efficiently. Let me ask you this. Police Mark Saunders says, you know, he was asked about defunding of of, uh, police officers and he said it's naive to reduce police officers when the number of of police officers versus calls are not where they need to be. It has to be dealt with collectively. Uh, A serious distinction has to be drawn between what the police are and what the police are not. So we're also hearing added calls for body cams. Can uh, body cams on police and defunding is, exist simultaneously. What would that look like? So I think first addressing Mark Saunders' point, like I think we need to take a look at what those calls for service are. And I would ask, you know, I'd call upon John Tory to do exactly that, right? Like let's strike a, a, a committee at council, not at the police service board, but at council to have a look at exactly what it is that the police are doing, uh, identify those things that are not appropriate for the police to do, and then find those other organizations or agencies to do so. And if they don't exist, create them. Uh, Can body cams coexist with calls to defund the police? Well, body cams are going to cost money, uh, not only the cameras themselves, but the infrastructure to um, store the data and recall that data. And so um, body cameras are not free, of course. Um, yeah, I think the calls for body cameras come, um, of course, in situations where we have someone who's been so egregiously uh, treated by the police and ended up with death. And we often see that in, in similar types of instances. Is it going to solve the problems that we're really asking for when we talk about defunding the police? Absolutely not. Right. Again, we're asking the police to deal with uh, failures of, of other social institutions. Body cameras are only going to provide us with evidence. Um, to either confirm or refute that there's been a failure in policing itself. So we're getting further down the line. It's only right. going to be when something even more negative has happened that that camera, body camera footage is either going to vindicate the police officer or uh, support the, the, the citizen's uh, claim against the police. So, no so if we get it right, not. we don't need body cams. We get it right, we don't need body cameras. And that's not to say that there's not a place for body cameras. There's some evidence that to suggest that there may be more civility. There's also evidence to suggest that the police may be more likely to use force when they have body cameras on because they feel like they're going to be vindicated by the footage. So ultimately, yeah, let's you know deal with the issues that are causing us to call police in the first place when they're not needed 
as opposed to giving the police a technology that's just going to provide us with evidence of what happened after something unfortunate has taken place. Is there an example of a jurisdiction in the world that that gets this right, that has defunded police and, and where it's working? Can you give us an idea of that? Well, you know, I, I, um, I've just finished a book, global book on race and policing, um, and we look at several countries. Uh, the one that comes to mind, uh, top of mind, would be the United Kingdom. Starting in 2010, the Conservative government that came into power uh, started to cut police budgets and cut the number of officers. So there were about 25,000 officers across the United Kingdom um, who were cut or, you know, jobs were not, uh, retirees were not replaced and about 19% of funding. Now, there have been some increases in certain types of crime over that period. But when you look at the statistics from the 1970s to today, the, there is still a downward trend in crime over that period. And I would argue that although there was a defunding of the police, under Britain's Conservative government that oversaw that, there wasn't a reinvestment in the types of um, organizations and institutions that people that are calling for the defunding of the police are suggesting that those funds go into. So Britain's experiment was one in defunding police without the related reinvestment, uh, reassignment of tasks and reinvestment mm-hmm. of funds. Yeah, I was going to ask, because they clearly have a huge problem with racism in, in Britain, and we saw people going out and marching. Um, so you're talking about taking money from the budget. The idea of defunding is taking money from the police budget, a percentage of it, and finding other supportive and preventative services to invest in so that you can create real opportunities in all the communities. Precisely. It's really about creating a, a more healthy and well-functioning society. And I think, you know, I need to address something that you mentioned there as well, uh, the fact that Britain has various, very serious, deeply rooted problems with racism. We're, we're, not, we're also not going to deal with the structural racism that exists within our society by simply defunding the police, right? Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the issue of racism, structural racism, systemic racism, institutional, individual racism in our society is something that exists well beyond the realm of policing as well, that again, create certain types of problems that lead certain people to have more contact with the police. So uh, issues related to uh, racial inequality in our education system and our social welfare system and our employment and housing sectors, increase rates of poverty and marginalization amongst certain populations, concentrates those people into poorer, uh, more disorganized and higher crime neighborhoods to which the police also respond. So even if we were to defund the police and reinvest Um, some of those funds into other organizations and institutions, we also have to ensure that those organizations and institutions, right, are are, are addressing issues of racism. Otherwise, we're going to have disparate outcomes as we do now in those areas as well. We need more diversity in our police forces. It's not a matter of diversity, unfortunately. You know, the structures, again, you know, the structure of policing is is one which was created uh, out of um, and still, um, you know, kind of symbolic of, of, of white supremacy and, and the, the racist way in which our society, quite frankly, was structured, right? Um, and so diversity, unfortunately, is not going to change the culture of policing or, again, the issues that police respond to. In the United States, many black people are killed in the United States by black police officers because black police officers are often deployed to black neighborhoods and they still have to deal with the same issues that white police officers mm-hmm. do. Can I uh, wrap this up by asking you a question I asked off the top of the show? I pose this to our listeners after, you know, um, watching the protests over the weekend. How optimistic are you that these protests are going to result in positive change for the next generation of, uh, of people of color in, in, in Toronto, in Canada? Yeah, quite frankly, I was born into a period of 
protest in response to police violence in the United Kingdom, and that had did promote some positive social change. I think that social unrest like this is an important uh, spark for progress. It needs to be matched with action from uh, members of the public and politicians. I think for this to be, uh, you know, to have a great effect south of the border, uh, they're going to need a new president, of course, because clearly this president doesn't want to acknowledge the real issues and doesn't want to address them. He's just being more divisive. Uh, but I am positive that this will lead to changes again. I think, you know, in Canadian society, we need to have a, a great reckoning with the extent to which, you know, certain racialized, pop- well, the way in which our society structures, as I said, you know, we, we don't acknowledge the existence of slavery and segregation, uh, residential schools and, and reservation systems to the extent that we could, right? Slavery, uh, segregation existed in, in this uh, country up until the 1980s and 1990s, and that's not something that we deal with. So I think until we address those issues, we're going to continue to see issues in the context of policing that we do now. Akwasi Usubempa, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Take-